2: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
0: Flashes it away, through the covers for four, and England have won the match.
2: Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket on the fourth evening of this World Test Championship final at the Oval. An amazing day, the first day of summer really, with... Temperature's up to about 30 degrees, a beautiful day for cricket and an interesting day and funnily enough a better batting day in a way because we've seen the pitch behave quite erratically actually and with the new ball bouncing up and hitting people in the gloves and then the old ball seeming to be quite easy to bat on, the ball seemed to be spinning quite a bit out of the rough, you thought today would be a tough day for batting. But what are the essential numbers, Simon? Well,
0: the numbers say this is the second best batting day of the match, the the fourth day. We had 3.27 for three on the first day, which is still this little albatross around the Indian neck, really, because that's where, you know, they look back, that's where they're going to lose this game, it would seem. But today we had 311 runs for seven wickets. If we had something similar tomorrow, then... (laughs) Possibly, you know, India pull off something amazing. But that the win vis is far more realistic than that. That says 90% Australia, 7% India and 3% the draw. And it's 444. It's never been scored before in the history of Test cricket. And there's a reason for that because it's damn hard to do it. Uh, but there's a first, I suppose, for, for everything. And, mm-hmm. and Kohli looked determined and Rahane looked determined. But you, just, you feel they just haven't quite got enough resources left although you know today it was, the pitch was i mean it didn't look that it bad for bat- sleep almost didn't, yeah, didn't, it? It didn't look that bad for batting did it mm.
2: no it didn't and coley looked like a man with a mission mm. actually he looked very focused and and sort of hungry to make his stamp on this world test championship which of course india lost two years ago it was, it was, it was interesting days cricket i, I, I suppose They did concede too many runs in the end, the Indians. And you're right, 444 has never been made in the final innings to win a Test match before. The record, of course, is 418. Actually, at the Oval, winning scores are quite low here. It's 260, I think,
0: is the highest. 263 is the highest to win a game. Of course, the issue there is that not in in not every game that's played in the Oval, you need 400-odd to win the game. And actually,
2: two of those winning scores at the Oval in the 200 areas were 200 for two yeah. and 203. So it implied that the pitch actually does almost get better sometimes at the oval. But still, 444 is a huge number of runs. We mentioned yesterday the time that India batted here chasing 438 and fell nine runs short in 1979. If you haven't heard that podcast, it's worth listening to again because Sonny Gavaskar, who was batting in that match, made 221. And they just fell, as I, as I say, a couple of... A couple of good overs short of, of, of making breaking the world record. So anything is possible, but we'll hear from Justin Langer actually shortly what he thinks. But let's uh, have a look back at the day anyway.
0: Yeah, well, Australia starting the day on 123 for four. That was soon 124 for five when Lavishain was caught by the big wicket. Mm. He's like, oh, hold on, here we go. India could get into Australia's middle, lower order, roll them out, perhaps chase 350, and that would be uh, more realistic. But, as you said, the pitch will settle down a bit. Do you know quite a funny story about
2: Labuschagne? actually? I mean, he's well-known as the sort of second eccentric in the uh, Australia team alongside Steve Smith. They're sort of he's well, of a piece of a, you know, of a pod. He's fighting for supremacy,
0: isn't he, Labashain? With, with well, he's, he's
2: number one in the world, yeah. batsman bat, bat, in the world at the moment. But also for
0: eccentricity
2: as well. well. Yes, and you know what he did in this match? He changes bat three times he had one bat on the first day and then he had another bat for the the second innings with a different handle and he got to about 40 odd uh, overnight and then today came out with a different bat and he was out without adding any more runs so that sort of fad that players have and you know you know actually David Warner told me that He always uses a different bat in each innings. He uses one bat for the first innings and one bat for the second innings. And he always changes it. He always has two bats on the go. He uses a different one in each innings. It's weird, isn't he? Sort of odd superstitions
0: that that batters have. Anyway, it didn't didn't help Labershain Well, there'll be loads of people listening to say, oh, I have one bat for about four years. I can't afford all these bats. And you do, don't you? As a a club player, you hold on to it for as long as you possibly can before you've got to change it. A, because they cost a lot of money. And actually, if you get one you like, you're desperate to hold on to it, aren't you? But I suppose they get so many these days, they're all pretty similar. (laughs) I mean,
2: Steven Smith's got about 18 or something. I mean, it's just (laughs) mad. Probably has half the changing
0: room. Anyway, so Labachain went early and you thought yeah, okay, possibly uh, for India here but we saw Alex Carey uh, play really well, Cameron Green dug in, eventually bowled by Jadeja uh, playing no shot, but Carey I thought yeah, just mm. he got untroubled, didn't he? Making really a 66 start came out he hit a few off the edge yeah, uh, to start get playing underway well, actually.
2: And and uh, uh, Carey interesting one. Uh, he's been out four times reverse sweeping. Mm. So and he was out reverse sweeping in the first innings of this game. He's put that away yeah. and uh, gone with the normal conventional sweep. And do you know how, there's a little question for you, do you know how the New Zealanders came to the aid of the Australians today? Unusual, really? Um, As a tester. Something to do with Daniel Vittori? Exactly to do with Daniel Vittori. Good good, good um, slu- sleuthism. <laughs> Daniel Vittori. word? Yeah, well, it is now. It is now. <laughs> Daniel Vittori, of course, is the sort of assistant Australian coach and it was always in the nets, always in the nets. Perfect person for Carey mm. to face in preparation for Jadeja. So he spent the morning getting throwdowns from uh, Vittori as sort of mimicking Jadeja's action and follow-through and, and trajectory and worked on his conventional sweep. Mm. And it worked really well for him. And he, and he got to 50-odd. So... The Tory being a bit disloyal to his <laughs> compatriots, but, of course, the Aussies are paying him at the moment, so so why not? And he's going to be uh, with the Aussies for, through, throughout the Ashes mm. as well.
0: Well, it's the nature of the game now. I mean, Andy Flower is an Australian batting consultant, and you know, it wasn't so long ago he was plotting their downfall. It's so, bizarre, yeah. isn't it? it and, is. and,
2: and Justin Langer, the man we're going to talk to shortly, of course, was previously Australian coach, and now trying to be a little bit more dispassionate. Anyway, Carey and Stark... Uh, played well, Stark. Very sort of forthright, I thought. Played one of his better innings because sometimes you you think of Stark as someone who got the potential and then just plays a stupid shot. But
0: actually, he p- produced a very effective forty odd. Yeah, and they got past that world record score, didn't they? What I'm saying is they got past the, they got to the four twenty mark, uh, and and you know if you okay, good luck to you if you're going to chase down the world record score as you say it's four hundred and eighteen. They took uh, Australia you know th- three fifty four hundred beyond that. And just ground India down a bit, and so eventually Pat Cummins came in and had a huge swipe and was uh, caught, and he declared, and Australia, you know, Australia pulling out, giving themselves plenty of time uh, to win the game. In theory, 137 overs. We didn't get all those overs today. We will get them tomorrow, as long as the weather uh, behaves itself. So, you know, an- enough time for India. To score the runs, it's not that it's not that the the, the problem for them and the the run rate is you know the, obviously the number of runs and you know do you have enough resources uh, to get them so India go out needing 444 uh, to win the match and there was that just just a delightful whatever happens in the game just that delightful opening stand between Gill and Sharma of. 41 when they just reeled off loads of lovely, crisp, beautiful strokes and you get a hint of what's to come with Shubham Gill. Sadly, he's still not produced an innings in England in a test match. Six innings in England now and all low scores. He's not been able to get away, but again, just a few hints of his uh, sublime quality uh, today yeah. uh, when he makes a hundred eventually in England people will will actually wax lyrical about it but of course he is been, he was involved in perhaps th- well the most controversial moment of the day, possibly uh, the test match, the low catch to Cameron Green. first thing I think to say about it was it was another stunning piece of fielding. Um, But India supporters thought that he hadn't caught it and he talked to Australians and they said, well, ah, we think it was out. What what did you think is a neutral? You you know, you're in the analyst truck. Presumably, I don't know whether you've got ultra HD and you can see what the umpire sees. What did you see?
2: Well, I saw that um, the ball was caught. And as he hit the ground with his hand, you couldn't actually see that clearly because of the camera being very low and because of the sort of curvature slightly of the of the world, of the land, of the oval, uh, which does have, it's on a bit of a kind of dome, the mm. oval. You run up to the wicket at both ends. So the, the the pitch itself is sort of higher, slightly higher than the, the outfield. And I it sort of actually slightly disappeared from view. But I just thought from looking at about eight replays, I thought he caught it. Ravi Shastri has a still on his phone, which I think has done a lot of, social media rounds which shows it looks as if the ball is grounded between his two fingers and you've probably seen that clip I've seen all as well. sorts
0: of I've seen all sorts of photographs I just
2: thought it looked a really good catch and we played it in slow motion we played it fast motion to me there was very little doubt and if there's very little doubt, I'm giving it
0: out. You know, which is Kettleborough a really difficult decision to make. Imagine if that was, you know, five to win, one wicket left tomorrow, and I had to make that call. I mean, it was a pretty big call as it was because Gill was was batting superbly. I mean, my instinct, just watching it live, was out, and I was I was slightly surprised to see should Gill wait initially, and then I, then you obviously see the replay and you realise why he did. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those you you look at, you can look at it a hundred times, and you probably know clearer. Uh, and you look at it through an indian lens and you probably think one way you look at it through an australian lens you think another way i think yeah you know, it's one of those isn't it really you can make a you can sort of make a case out for both it's a bit like a it's a bit like a controversial football a penalty in a football match you can say oh yeah that was definitely a penalty you say no there's not enough contact or there's not enough intent or whatever there is uh I- I thought my instinct was out, and even when I saw it on the replay, several replays, I thought out. But I, w- I really would not have liked to be Richard Kettleborough making that decision. And you, you think, well, perhaps if there is some doubt and you're not absolutely sure, then you you might say, look. Uh, I mean, they often say things like, don't they? The third umpire, we hear it, everyone hears it now. They say things like, um, uh, "Yeah, the ball definitely touched the ground," uh, and sometimes you think, "Oh, did it really?" Uh, you know. Reverse your decision, give it not out, or you know clearly there are fingers under the ball. They say, but I think what you don't often hear the third umpire say is, look, um, I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know whether that was out or not. You don't hear that very often, do you? I don't think I've ever heard it and say, I'm really not sure about that. So he could have said that, but he said no. I think that is out, and so Gill... Uh, was on his way, and lots of people are not very happy about it. No, well, of course, so, and naturally. Anyway, he's out, he's in the book, he's gone. It's in my scorebook, anyway, there we go. Shubman Gill, caught Green, <laughs> Bold Boland,
2: 18, 47 for one, it's 7.1 overs. Quite an odd thing as well, because Green took an absolute screamer with his right hand in the first innings, took a, a brilliant low catch today, that one, with his left hand, and missed the one that went straight to him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Sod's Law. Well, actually, whether it was out or not, I think the key wicket of the day was actually Rohit Sharma, and I thought it was a very bad bit of cricket by Mm -hmm. him because he played a couple of balls from Nathan Lyon, he was creaming it all over the place, he was playing it with a stick of rhubarb, and suddenly he goes for a a rather ill-judged sweep off Nathan Lyon. He seemed to try and paddle it. There was a man on the 45, uh, so he wouldn't have got a run for it. He might have got one, maybe, but it wasn't a percentage shot and he was out lbw and that was a, a silly kind of soft dismissal really and then of course soon afterwards pajara gets out trying to uppercut uh, the ball over the over the keeper's head and getting an edge so it was two silly wickets but i think rohit
0: sharma kind of let australia in there yeah it, it felt like two wickets frittered away they weren't they weren't bold. i know lots of wickets are batsman error aren't they you know inevitably it's a combination of both i mean sometimes like start bowling to Kohli in the first thing A Jaffa you know you, you the bowler gets the batter out uh, but those felt just a bit too soft really for the situation actually I mean, but having said that, I mean, India fought really, you know, they fought hard, haven't they, in this second innings? 164 for three after 40 overs. They're giving it a go. They're not, you know, it's not like, oh, well, this is impossible. 440 pitches a bit up and down. In Australia, they've got an excellent bowling attack. They really have knuckled down and they, they're, they're giving it a go. And their supporters are sort of, you feel their supporters with them. Uh, but whether they got their, you know. The wherewithal the resources as I mentioned earlier to get over the line I, I, I somehow doubt but if they get close we're in for an actually belting yeah. uh, fifth day.
2: I mean obviously it's to do with in a way the morning session seem to be the time when wickets do fall early when the pitch just seems to freshen up a tiny bit so clearly in the morning will be the time Australia hoped to strike. I thought it was a bit strange that Cameron Green only bowled two overs mm. and whether he's got a, n- a niggle or something I'm not sure whether he ricked his back taking that catch but that they, that he to me could be really difficult on this pitch because of his height.
0: And they only bowled him two overs. They like to look after him though, don't they? I mean, he's he's very much their fourth bowler. They sort of ease him through, they don't want to put too much, too much burden on. And, and they have got Nathan Lyon to bowl, haven't they, as well? So you can uh, rotate the bowlers from the mm. other end with Lyon bowling at, at one end. What I thought was interesting, Australia bowled. 40 overs, they bowled two maidens only. You know, mm. normally, you remember think last time when they were here in England, they were able to sort of dry it up, put pressure on, build pressure. But only two maidens in 40 overs. And Mitchell Stark, in this test match, okay, he bowled one snorting delivery to get rid of Coley. He's bowled 20.4 overs. And he's saying two for 116. He's gone round the park a little bit. And you think back to last time, they didn't totally trust him to play in all the... Well, he only played one test match because they wanted that really ruthless discipline... Uh, He's a different bowler when he swings the ball, and when he doesn't
2: swing it, he seems to be straining for something and losing his control. And I know what that feels like, actually, because if if you are a natural swing bowler, you're looking for that, you know, light, nice shape. And if you can't find it, you're straining for it. You're trying to see. You're seeking something. It's a bit like batsmen are out of form and they're trying a bit too hard to time the ball, and you know, almost kind of losing their their nice balance by you know kind of almost trying to bludgeon it and in a way fast bowling can be the same if you're slightly out of rhythm you try lots of different things to try and regain that natural style and and swing that you that makes you so dangerous and often it just makes it worse I don't think he's doing anything technically wrong but sometimes your timing and someone like Stark because he's a action. He's not a Right, Someone like Scott Boland, he can just bowl over after it's over. Just and he just not He doesn't have yeah. to worry because he's got a repeatable action. Mm. But start because he's a bit more slingy, there's a bit more, you know, t- the timing is key to mm. when you release the ball and keeping your wrist behind it and all that. And it's, it's all a bit sort of biomechanical, but you can feel it in your body if it's not quite right. And you lose confidence. You sometimes bowl with a slightly too big a stride, which actually Cummins was doing today as well. No bowling a lot of times if you're just not quite in rhythm. So Stark will be a bit of a concern. But, you know, they have got kind of obviously lots of other good bowling options, Australia, so they would be confident, I think,
0: of having the the tools to do the job. Yeah. Cummins uh, went four and over in the first innings did pick up three wickets. He's he's gone nine overs to forty two as well. That's
2: a mark of Coley's skill as much as and also Charmer, who plays some brilliant shots early on uh, as well and I suppose the fact that pitch you know played pretty well but I sort of feel the morning first five to seven overs
0: might be the key to it Mm. okay we'll find out after the break we're going to hear from Justin Langer.
2: So, Justin Langer is part of the uh, ICC World Feed TV commentary team and also working for TMS as well. So, many of you may have heard him before. And we just chatted on the outfield on his walk back from one of his many media commitments uh, this evening. You show this amazing passion, and um, I just wondered how you find it now, not being in the setup, trying to commentate.
1: Can you be impartial? Well, I think I've got—I have got a great passion for the game of cricket. I love it, and I, um, yeah, there's always going to be bias. I mean, there's—let's face it, there is always going to be bias. But I love the game of cricket. I love Test cricket, yeah. and I think it's really important that we continue to um, look after the integrity of international cricket. There's so much T20 cricket now. There's franchise cricket. There's so much discussion. There's the hundred. But international cricket, you hear it, you feel it here today. It's not just the people at the ground, but there's people all around the world. There's, I think, there was an average crowd, average viewership for the first four days of this game back in Australia, of average viewership of 800,000 people. You know, it's massive, and it's because it's they're watching their country play. It's unlike the territorialism of. T20 franchise cricket.
2: But it, and that's in the middle of the night, I suppose, in Australia, or the that's wrong right. time of day,
1: anyway. That's right. And it'll be the same when the Ashes are on. because it's, And it's international cricket. See, the thing about international cricket, it has the power not just to lift a section of the community, to lift the whole country. It also has the power to deflate a whole country. You wake up better in Australia if Australia have won. If England win... You wake up worse, and it's, and it's flipped the same for both countries. That's why international cricket, this, you know, there's oh, lots of discussion, lots of narrative about franchise cricket, T20 cricket, but nothing is like international cricket. And
2: um, you, you laboured so hard, as, well, obviously as a player, but as coach as well, to try and pull Australia up by the bootstraps, because you started out when you took over as coach and had a poor time and then obviously came through and did well. What, what does it mean to Australia now to, to win this and become World Test Champions?
1: It's been high on their priority list, the World Test Championship. They've won a lot of things in the past, but it's high on their priority list. And it has been for They're very disappointed to miss out last time. There was in the middle of COVID. We missed the tour to South Africa. We forfeited were playing some points well. for That's overrate, right. things like that, And then we you? forfeited some points for the overrates, which hurt. And, um, and that had been a focus. We'd had different focuses. But that was certainly one of them. So for this team, it's a big deal. I mean, for Australian cricket, it's a big deal. I mean,
2: it looks a very good side now, actually. I mean, there were weaknesses in the past and, you know, some sort of fallibility, but it seems to be sort of coming together actually quite nicely with someone like Cameron Green, who to me kind of almost seems to make... make he's the final piece of the jigsaw, perhaps.
1: Well, any team who has an all-rounder, a genuine all-rounder, that's the final... And we saw that last year, actually, when he injured his finger... And he was out, then all of a sudden the absolute certainty of selection changed, and there was, you know, it made it difficult. And it'd be the same with Ben Stokes, for example, or Jack Callis in the South African team, Shane Watson of the past. It makes a huge difference when you've got a genuine all rounder in there. So, um, yeah, this, this team is a senior team. You've got a couple of really good young kids in Cameron Green. Alex Carey's come in seamlessly from Tim Payne, who did a great job. Travis Head has had an amazing. 18 months or so. Uh, Manus Labashane is the number one batsman in the world, he's a young, still you know, youngish. So yeah, it's a very all re- very good all-round team. And
2: what will it mean uh, is it more important or less important to win this match than to win the Ashes? 2001 was the last time you won the Ashes in England. Of course you were part of that team. Mm. What, 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 how, do you, how do you balance that up? Because it's a hard six weeks isn't it? Yeah seven well weeks. it is
1: a hard mean, six tests in seven weeks is a tough gig but I think they all count. There's you, no, yeah, yeah. I, oh, yeah, of course, I think so. I mean, the maybe, maybe the Ashes will get more kudos because everyone there's so much history to the Ashes. A lot of people, this is still a new concept. I think it's an excellent concept, but it's a new concept, whereas the Ashes has been going forever. So there'll be a lot, the drama and theatre will be huge back home.
2: Are you enjoying commentary? I mean, this is a new thing for you, really. I mean, I know you've done bits and pieces before, but this is more kind of, you've got the whole summer here as well, so how, how are you finding it?
1: Yeah, I, well I'm actually only here for the first two tests, I'm not working for the first, I'm just going to watch on as a which would be really nice the first first few tests here um, very much, well the way I look at it, I see my best mates, I see Ricky Ponting, I see Matthew Hayden I see James Brasher, in the summer it was Simon Cadditch, I got to work with Ian Bishop and John T. Rhodes here, we've got Kumar Sangakkara and Sanath Gavik and Nasser Hussain, and so they're all great cricket people, including some of my best friends in life. And we sit here and we talk about cricket. I mean, what could be better?
2: I, and you're a writer as well, so you're writing, aren't you? Yeah, I'm writing. Right, yeah, I do
1: a lot of writing. And you enjoy yeah. that? Oh, very much. Yeah, I, I, I've written even when I was playing Test cricket. I used to and county cricket. I used to write an article a day for the BBC. It's only 500 words back then, but it was a discipline. And I love it. I I, I write an article a week back home in Australia. I'm writing over here this summer, uh, which would be nice. Um, So yeah, the the writing and speaking comes very naturally.
2: Well, great. I I love your passion. You know, it's great to hear because I think actually broadcasters who have passion do a good job. You know, it sells the game. It's more compelling to listen to. It actually, you've shown some insight as well. I'll always remember to say why something happened not just what it happened of course but you yeah. you 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 kind of think deeply about it don't you
1: i do yeah and i probably always have and i think also the great thing about the game of cricket and i'm sure it's the same in all sport but it's about storytelling and you bring it to life and and it's obviously different when you do the tv it's different because you have the pictures but when you commentate in um on radio or you write you've got to bring it to life you've almost got to use your words to paint the picture whereas on tv the picture's already there and you can give it probably a bit more analytical of what's going on but both mediums i really enjoy well, actually, and more I importantly one,
2: i think i think one helps the other actually but yeah sorry go on more, and importantly, more
1: importantly it's just the game of cricket and i love the game of cricket i honestly i've got i love the game of cricket
2: so what's the story tomorrow what's what's the story for tomorrow do you think after the play, you know, what's going to happen?
1: The, the narrative of the game is exactly that. In Test cricket, you do not know the narrative. And while King Cole is still there, you never know. And the narrative doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't happen a 100 years ago. The narrative of the game is that who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. It's Test cricket and that's why we love it. I promised,
2: by the way, that I was going to get Justin to tell this story about uh see the sunrise the other day on a, on a podcast. I will get him to tell that story, but we sort of had too much to talk about today to, to get into that. But anyway, it's a story about uh, the day that his grandfather took him up a tower block when he was suffering from a fear of heights, sort of linked to a fear of failure, I suppose, when he was in his 20s, and his grandfather took him to the top of this tower block and uh, at the early morning in Perth, and made him look out to, to, to the horizon to see the sunrise and that that cured his, his fear of heights, amazingly. So it's a lovely story. I'll get him to tell it another time, but let's focus on this game for, not, for now. And what he said about Coley, I'm sure he's
0: right. I'm not sure it would cure my fear of heights, but there, there we go. Well, I'll, I'll, I'm happy to keep my feet on the ground. On well, you one. should read
2: his book, actually. Well, possibly,
0: possibly, yeah. He I, has got
2: a book called had, See
0: the Sunrise. It's I, a good book. I would hate to be the, the crane driver who's building the hotel beyond the pavilion over there. Anyway, apparently Jim Maxwell, this is a real aside, but Jim Maxwell's saying they actually get paid very well, the crane drivers. I don't know whether it's danger money or whether it's the fact they have to be so precise in the way they operate the machines. Anyway, <laughs> that's that's another matter. Uh, so you're not applying for a crane driver's no, job in no, the near future? No, I'm very happy to keep my feet on the ground. But he, he, what he did say there, get Coley out. And of course, one thing he said to us on, on TMS, he said, you know, when we were watching that last day heading in 2019, he said, you've kept on saying this, but this game is not done until we get Stokes out yeah get stokes out and I mean earlier as well, not just you know when it was 10 to win, obviously you had to get Stokes out or leech out then, but this game is not done he has such a high regard for for Stokes. I think after the last actually series, he said we he, i think he he said he, he was a slightly throwaway story, but he said, uh, yeah, at the end of the series we we put a baggy green on him, and I said, oh, come on, you can come with me you can come and play for us uh but, yeah, he
2: loves Stokes. Yeah, he absolutely yeah. adores him, and it certainly jinxed him, hasn't it, that experience at Headingley? And there, there is another lovely story, which I'll get him to tell another day as well, because he's here, as he said, for some of the Test matches in the summer. So I'll get him to tell this story as well. Uh, he, in that uh, dressing room, in that last few moments of that Headingley Test, remember when Nathan Lyon dropped the ball for the possible mm-hmm. run out of Jack Leach, or almost certain run out of Jack Leach... Uh, Justin Langer, as coach was in the dressing room and he was so annoyed frustrated he kicked the dustbin down the stairs Mm. and they kept it in that sequence they kept the sequence in because they had a camera crew following them around they kept the sequence in the documentary and they told Justin they said we're keeping this sequence in. Mm. And Justin Oh no, you know, you're keeping that sequence in, that's that look makes me look so bad. So the director said, Yeah, but do you know what happened after that? And he said no. He said you started putting all the rubbish back into the bin, yeah. and we kept that in the film as well. Yeah. So you sort of think, okay, fair enough.
0: Yeah, well, that was gold dust, wasn't it? That you're not going to take that. Any any self-respecting TV producer is going to keep the the kick in the bin in because it was it's just it's such a human moment, and it also says a lot about your personality. You prepared to pick the rubbish up as well and put it back in the bin. I know one person who would absolutely love that. With mean, my wife, he said, you know, yeah, that's right. But keep it nice and tidy in that box. But it must have been hard on that last day for him. Well, he did say to us that was his worst moment, not just as a player, but as a coach, the you know, worst moment of his career, what happened there at, at Headingley. And I can remember, actually, the day after that. We made a good photograph. I almost was going to take it, but I thought it was just a bit unfair. Nathan Lyme was sitting in the square outside the team hotel, where we were staying as well, and he was just on his own, on a phone. And it was so sort of emblematic, really. You could, you could, There was no one else around. And it just it just felt such a a lonely moment for him. But, uh, there we go. Oh, someone's got to win. Someone's got to lose, aren't uh, they? It's it's, it's it's tough. It's hard. It's top level international sport.
2: Apparently, he was on his phone that night to his wife,
0: Justin or Justin. Line. No, Justin was on his phone
2: after that match to his wife, and his wife said to him, "What are you doing?" And he said, "I'm drinking whiskey." Yeah. And she said, "You don't
0: drink whiskey." And he said, "I do tonight." <laughs> I do tonight. Yeah, yeah. And we can look back on it and be phlegmatic now, I, I suppose. But you still have you always have. Uh, regrets, I suppose it's best not to have too many, is it? So, who's gonna who is which team's gonna have the, the regrets tomorrow? Do you, well, what do you, do you think? I, I just can't see India scoring uh, no. 444 to win the game. I, I've really admired the way they fought, I've admired actually how both teams have fought in this test match. It's been a real you know, they've really gone at it, haven't they? Not in a bad way, but they've they've no one's given anything away. Um, but, a few blows on the fingers, yeah, and people have taken a few
2: painful, yeah. You know knocks, haven't they? Generally, and it's going. I mean, it's t- it's going to take its toll on yeah.
0: Australia, I think. This match. Yeah, well, it might do, or that might you know give them a good run out before the yeah. the first test. You know, perhaps one or two do need to bowl a bit, and mm. and they might be better uh, for it. Uh, uh, cricketing logic says you don't get 444 to win. Mm. Uh, you don't get 444 to win on a a pitch like this, although it has been a bit uh, sleepy today. Uh, but you know, there's some determined, um, you know, d- determined men in that India dressing room. So I, it, it, it's, there's part of me which I wouldn't write them off. I wouldn't say you wouldn't say categorically no, but you'd say you know, really, really unlikely, wouldn't you, for that India are going to win this test match? It's sort of panning out as we sort of thought, didn't we? You know, India get bowled out, Australia get a lead, Australia build the lead, set India a big score, and then bowl them out. But I mean, w- I mean, what a day it would be if. They would even get, you know, relatively. Close. You know, who they
2: need, don't you? They need Raul Drabid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Talking and, of coaches, and, and Kapil coach. Dev, and Virinder Sehwag, and VVS Laxman, yeah, and we... a bit of Sunny Gavaskar yeah. as well.
2: Two hundred and twenty-one. Yeah, they they do need a few, but more batters. I think you know Jadeja coming in at six, left-hander Nathan Lyon's going to enjoy that. So it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, Australia win by 140 runs. I yeah. think India 300 all out will be a creditable effort, but I can't see them getting yeah. more than that.
0: Yeah, it could be something like that, couldn't it? Perhaps a, perhaps a few more. Uh, I, I always think in these situations, for, for India to win the game, what is it, another 280 runs, You know they, they've got a bat for another 480 balls. Australia seven balls away from victory, and you feel on this surface there are seven balls out there. Unless a few drop catches or nine balls then it's great. You know, do, you, do you know what I mean? There's, it, you, you, Australia can see it, they can feel it. The, the mace is not far away from their grasp. But India are doing their best to make them work for it. Yeah, and it's been a good game. Mm. And it hasn't been interrupted so far.
2: Uh, hopefully the rain will stay away tomorrow and we'll see a conclusion by, I suppose, mid-afternoon. We'll be back after that to tell you what happened and what we thought of it. See
0: you then. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye for now. Enjoy the final day of this game. Sports Social Podcast Network.